Hello and welcome to the Waypoint Podcast, where we offer nuggets of insight from the weekly Torah portion and see where the Torah is guiding us this week. This week's Torah portion is Parashat Lech Lecha, which means go for yourself. This is when Abraham is called and he basically becomes a sojourner for the rest of his life. He goes into Egypt, he amasses some good wealth, and uh, eventually him and Lot separate over some grievances. Moving faster through the Torah portion this week, uh, we have the Battle of the Five Armies where Abraham has to rescue Lot because uh, Lot went to Sodom and Gomorrah area. Abraham, a- Abram went his own way. He is not yet Abraham, but towards the end of the parasha, we will be introduced to Abraham. Until then, we meet Melchizedek for the first time. After that, then we have the cutting of the covenant, the, uh, the walking between the two parts, which many of you I'm sure are familiar with. Hagar and Ishmael, of course, that episode, and immediately following that, we finally have the covenant of circumcision, where we meet Abraham for the first time, where he changes his name officially. And that about sums up the entire parasha. Um, it's a quite a lengthy parasha. Those are sort of the wave tops of what's going on. Um, but Brad has prepared for you an excellent lesson focusing on the stars aspect, actually, where Abraham is basically told to try and count the stars. And so thank you once again for joining us this week at the Waypoint Podcast. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. Allow me to personally welcome you to the Waypoint Podcast. Um, My co-host Seamus just gave you a great overview of what happens in the Parsha. Uh, Something I'd like to focus on a little more specifically here is going to be in chapter 15, uh, between verses 2 and 5, where Abraham is appealing to God, saying, you know, because God God has told him that uh, he will be very blessed. Um, and Abraham at this point essentially asks God, well, what what are you going to give me? Because you've promised me a child, and yet I have no child. Uh, So this is where we pick up in verse 5, and let me put that on screen for you. It says, Then in a vision God took him outside, and said, look toward the heaven and count the stars if you are able to count them. Continuing, so shall your offspring be. Now, there's a number of interesting aspects to this. So uh, I, I know there is an understanding that Hashem took Abraham out and placed him above the stars so that the stars were there beneath his feet. Uh, if you could even imagine or comprehend what that might have looked like. Um, to, to have the whole of the cosmos beneath your feet so that you can try and count the stars that are in it. Um, but what I want to focus on here, actually, is something that Rashi brings up in his commentary, uh, and Ramban later comments on, but uh, initially, Ramban is citing Rashi. So in citing Rashi, the idea comes about that Abraham was... At this time, or Abram, again, as his name was not Abraham yet, Abram was consulting uh, the signs of the Zodiac or or whatever the equivalent of that was in his own day. 
essentially consulting the stars and seeing that within them he would have no children. Rashi points out that at this point his name has not been changed. And so, yes, uh, by consulting the stars at this point, he would see that Abram would not have children and that Sarai would not have children. And what we're meant to understand by this is that later on, after the covenant, after Abraham is named Abraham, after he's given a new name and becomes a new creation, all right, then he would have children. So Abram wouldn't have children. Abraham would have children. There's this, this distinct difference being drawn out between who we are and who we can be, or rather who, who we were and who we are even, depending on where you're standing respective to repentance. And one of the important aspects about that, considering repentance, is I think the function of it. So one thing that Ramban points out in this passage is that Abram understood that blessing can be forfeited by one's actions. And having just gone through the Battle of Five Armies at this point, uh, having just uh, in all likelihood slain many men himself with his own hands, uh, Abram may have been experiencing some uh, remorse, uh, understanding that his actions in in slaying another human being, uh, even if necessary and for for the good, is it's 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 not good to kill people. Uh, and this is something that uh, any, any combat veteran will tell you they, they've had to work through, or maybe they're still working through, is the, the remorse over having taken another human life. And so Ramban speculates that perhaps Abraham was fearing that the promise that he'd already been given, that he would have children, was then forfeit because of his actions in the Battle of Five Armies here. Uh, and so this is where he's he's pleading with God again. Right? What what can I have? What do I get? Uh, since I, I clearly won't have children. And this is where God reassures him that he will have children. And the function of repentance in this, uh, it's it, it begs the question, how does repentance work? Uh, one of my favorite parts of Tanya is the explanation on how repentance functions. Right, because you figure the past is written in stone, right? That's the idea that we get. That's that's our understanding of linear time, right? You can't erase the past. It, it's it's there forever. Uh, so how how can your actions of the past be rendered as though they never happened? How does that work in in God's economy? So one thing that we learn from the Tanya uh, in chapter six. Uh, one of the quotations is, however, when the sinner repents appropriately, he then removes from them, uh, being the actions that he's committed, uh, the life force that he had drawn into them through his deeds and thoughts. So the idea here is that the actions that we commit come from an internal intention, right? That's what gives them their life force. And that internal intention is obviously one for wickedness. And so by repentance, he returns the flow issuing from the Shekhinah, the abiding presence of God, uh, to its proper place. The idea being painted, being that through repentance, when we have a contrite heart, when, when our heart 
is bent towards the will of Hashem, the actions of our past are then restored to their proper place, right? Because ultimately, in their generality, no action categorically uh, is sinful. Now, what I mean by that is, so, you know, we have eating. Eating in and of itself is not sinful, but gluttony is sinful. Um, you know, so if one has committed the sin of gluttony and then they have repented, then the eating that they did in their act of gluttony is then restored to its proper place of simple eating to keep the body alive. And that is how it is rendered in God's economy, uh, is an elevation of the deed. It's literally your past being, be, being rewritten in God's economy. And to me, that's a beautiful thing. To me, that that screams of becoming a new creation. Abraham, after the Battle of Five Armies, demonstrates to us a spirit of repentance. And this, I think, would hearken us to 2 Corinthians 5.17, where Paul says, Any who are in Messiah are a new creation. Uh, Paul actually even goes on further in Galatians 3.7 to say uh, that such people are sons of Abraham. This is a title that is specific to a convert to Judaism, especially for this time. Now, there was a dispute uh, in the apostolic period going into the Mishnaic period over what qualified as a proper convert. Uh, so Rabbi Eliezer thought that the circumcision was the only aspect of conversion necessary to render it legitimate, whereas Rabbi Akiva thought uh, that only baptism, only a mikvah, was necessary to consider it legitimate. Uh, ultimately, the decision was to combine the both, and so a mikvah and a circumcision were necessary, and that's the standard that, the standard that we see today. Uh, but in Paul's day, this would have been a dispute that was ongoing, and we clearly see the opinion that Paul demonstrates. Uh, he falls in line with the thoughts of Rabbi Akiva, which is par for the course for Paul. Uh, Paul and Rabbi Akiva essentially would have come out of the same school of thought. So the idea that Paul is presenting here that through baptism, through mikvah and faith, uh, you become a son of Abraham, it grants further explanation to what he means by becoming a new creation and the importance of taking on a new name. Uh, a convert in Judaism is given a new name. They take on a Hebrew name uh, because they are no longer the person that they were, right? Abraham is no longer Abram. He's now Abraham. And the promises that are given to Abraham are the ones that he is bound to and that Hashem will fulfill. And I think that is something very important for us to keep in mind and remember. And with that, I'll close and hand it back to my colleague. Shalom. Hello, me again. And a thank you to Brad for putting together that amazing lesson for us. Uh, I really, I enjoyed it. Um, I think there's a lot to be said here about the making of a new man, the becoming a new creation at, at one's baptism or circumcision or, or both. And this is a very Christian concept, especially to die to yourself and become a new creation. And we see this being made manifest in the story with Abraham. But I wanted to continue with what Brad said. I don't need to just repeat what he said. I think everyone understands uh, what, he, what he put together very plainly. 
as he did so very excellently. I want to do a little call back to last week's episode where we talked about the merit of the fathers. Why is it that Abraham, that, that, that the name Ben Avraham, the son of Abraham, is the name that converts take to Judaism? That's because Abraham was promised that he would be a father of many nations. So anyone from the nations who would want to become a part of Israel would take on his last name and become, and become his son. And therefore, not only would his physical seed be as numerous as the, as the stars, but also his spiritual seed would be as numerous as the stars. And it's based on the merit of the fathers, once again, because God made a promise to Abraham that the people of the world would have a way into that promise without having to earn it for themselves. And I think that's a beautiful story that you can see here that we see reflected all throughout scripture. Noah was a shadow before Abraham, and now Abraham is a reality of Noah's shadow. And now Abraham is a shadow for us in which the reality would be our Messiah. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I certainly did. Thank you so much for joining us this week. This has been the Waypoint Podcast. We'll see you next week. Shalom. Special thanks to this month's Patreon supporters. 